everyone, it's Michael here with the Goody Reader Radio Show. The date is Monday, June 8th, 2015 here at goodyreader.com. And today on the show, we're going to talk to you about everything that Apple has announced at the Worldwide Developers Conference. Just to give you an indication that if you use a Mac, if you use an iPad or an iPhone, what type of things are on the horizon. There has been a lot of big announcements coming out today. Also on the show, we're going to talk to you about the new Kim Kardashian book and how critics are lashing out at it. Amazon advertising on shipping boxes. And the Nebula Award winners have been announced for science fiction and fantasy. I'll also talk to you about how the new Star Wars novels are seeking to retell the original trilogy. And... My book review for today is The Modern Mercenary. So there's a lot on the show today. So let's get right into the action. Kim Kardashian. If there was a poster child of the selfie movement, she would likely be it. She's just released a new book called Selfish. It's 448 pages and comprises of selfie pictures that she took of herself over the last 10 years. Some media outlets, such as the Daily News, might consider this title as much of a part of pop art history as when Andy Warhol painted soup cans. Many critics, though, are far less impressed. Project Runway judge Tim Gunn said, This is disgusting and vile. What if this was the only thing that survives in the time capsule? Laura Bennett of Slate Magazine said in a recent review, This book does not have any grand literary ambitions. It simply has no literary ambitions at all. It barely has words. The words it does contain are so aggressively repetitive that they feel like you... They feel like a true feat of editorial indifference. Bikini selfies are my favorite, Kim remarks in one captions. Bikini selfies are my fave, she later adds. She is not coy with her themes. The pictures in this book bring back so many memories, she writes. The pics bring back so many memories. Not to mention, I love doing photo shoots and having memories. So you can see how it's very, very repetitive. Um, so one thing I like to do when a book like this comes out is troll around Amazon. People tend to write very humorous reviews, and I've compiled a few gems. This book is on my reading list for my psychology class on narcissistic personality disorder to show us what to look for. Another uh, uh, reviewer said, a literary math masterpiece, worthy of being in the company of Bestit and Hugo. The powerful visual Im imagery, coupled with her internationally acclaimed humanitarian, scientific, and academic achievements, will catapult her into historic international importance. Her book will go down in history as the defining moment of the 21st century social relevance and intellectual achievement. I have no doubt that this publication will soon join the Bible and the Quran as one of the world's most influential books of all time. Another reviewer, Kim Kardashian West here provides us with an existential black hole that the transcendental nihilism of a Ray Brassier can only dream of invoking. In fact, I find it interesting on pages 256 and 257, somewhere a little past the book's halfway point, we are provided with two pages that have no words, no, or pictures at all. Pages that are completely black. It is 
if it, this is symbolic of a black hole at the center of Western society with the selfies orbiting it like dead husks of a dead galaxy. There is a lot of kind of cool things. On our front page, we have a link to the best of the best of the Amazon reviews, so you might want to check that out. Amazon is doing something very interesting. They ship out roughly about 3.3 million products a day. And this is a lot, and and the Amazon cardboard box with their logo, fairly ubiquitous. But this might change. Amazon just signed a deal with Universal Pictures to ship customer orders in bright yellow delivery boxes featuring cartoon characters from the upcoming Minions movie. The deal represents the first time Amazon has ever allowed a third party to completely brand its delivery boxes. Despicable Me has earned almost $1.5 billion at the box office and spawned a wide array of toys, video games, and stuffed animals. This is big business, and of course, Amazon sells all of it. On the box, actually, is an Amazon link that goes to a special Minions portal that they set up, which basically has everything Minions-related that Amazon sells, from video games to plush toys, you know, stuffed animals, uh, board games, everything like that. The shipping box also contains the movie release date, which is July the 10th. Amazon told TechCrunch that the boxes will ship from select fulfillment centers and will come in a range of sizes to accommodate a variety of customer orders for things like books, electronics, DVDs, toys, sporting goods, and more. Different minions will grace the different sizes of the boxes. Stuart is on large boxes, Bob is on medium ones, and Kevin is on the smallest. Is this an indication of things to come? Now that one company has started branding Amazon boxes. Could this lead to more branding for movies? But I'm thinking more like books. If you order, say, um, like a James Patterson novel, will you come in a box with other Patterson books that you could prospectively buy? Or will if you buy um, you know, a, a book from, say, Penguin Random House, will it have a list of the best sellers on there that they're hyping and that you can buy from Amazon? Maybe it'll drive more book sales. I think that this is definitely a sign of things to come. If they've done it once, they'll definitely do it again. If you like science fiction and fantasy, the Nebula Award winners have just been announced. This is iconic uh nebula some of the greatest books ever in this genre have have won nebula awards now this year the hugo awards they're they're pretty well the hugos have always kind of played second fiddle i think to the nebulas and there's been a lot of drama with the hugos this year um there's a great post that Mercy Pilkington, one of our staff writers, wrote. So if you go to our website, goodyreader.com, and just simply type into the search bar, Hugo, you'll probably see uh, some really huge drama. Nebula, though, no drama, just great books. The best uh, novel this year was Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. And the best novella, Yesterday's Kin. The best novelette. A Guide to the Fruits of Hawaii. Best Short Story, Jackalope Wives. The Ray Bradbury Award for Outstanding Dramatic Presentation, Guardians of the Galaxy. 
And the Andre Norton Award for Young Adult Science Fiction or Fantasy is Love is a Drug. So we have not only the winners, but also everyone else that was contending in each and every category. So if you've taken a break from science fiction and fantasy, or if you're just looking for the next great read, um, there's been a lot of good books on this list, such as The Goblin Emperor, Trial by Fire, The Regular. Uh, There's been a lot of great books uh that come out in 2014 but of course the winners were announced in 2015 uh just a few days ago so let's talk apple news where to start i mean there's been a ton of things that apple has announced today it was the first day of the worldwide developers conference and this is sort of like where apple unveils everything that they're working on they announced osx 10.11 it's called el capitan and new features include gestures such as shake to enlarge the mouse cursor and a new way to pin websites on safari the browser will also add a speaker icon on a url bar to mute music coming from any tab open fairly compelling that is that everything's just automatically muted A spotlight is getting more contextual. Instead of looking for files by name, you can now describe what you're looking for, such as files I worked on last June to bring up documents less edited at that time. El Capitan will also allow users to split their screen into multitasking windows, Windows 10 style, by holding the maximize button and dragging left to right. Also, this version of the OS 10.11 upgrade will get metal 3D graphics to improve gaming and apps on the desktop. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, iOS 9 will likely be very impressive. The core improvement that Apple wanted to make on iOS 9 this go around was adding intelligence to the operating system. There's going to be a lot of Siri improvements. There'll be content-sensitive features, including the ability to tell Siri to remind me about this, and it will know that you're referring to the web page currently on Safari. If you receive a phone number but are not sure who's calling, you can ask Siri to search through your emails to find any matches. Siri can also suggest people to invite for meetings or apps that you might like based on your usage behavior during a particular time of day. Also, also... Apple also unveiled an API search to help developers deep link their apps from mobile spotlight searches. All of your searches and suggestions are not linked to your Apple ID or shared with third parties. New improvements are also coming to apps like Notes and Maps, indexing links on the former and transit information on the latter. When you look up businesses on Maps, it will also give you info on whether or not they accept Apple Pay because, of course, Apple really wants to hype up their payment system. Additionally, Apple has announced a new app for iOS 9 called News to personalize news content, updating anytime the user opens the app. This flipboard and pulse-like app includes graphics that adapt based on the news source's site aesthetics and allow users to browse publishers for their top stories. News will roll out in the US, UK, and Australia first, and other markets uh, come later. There's also going to be new gestures happening on iOS 9. You'll be able to put two fingers to tap on the keyboard to turn it into a touchpad. This is helpful for when you want to drag text during an email, for example. There's also going to be multi-window support coming to the iPad. You can simultaneously scroll on both screens if that's your thing. 
Now, <laughs> there there's going to be uh, improvements as well to iBooks coming up as well. So right now, when you buy audiobooks, you don't buy them on iBooks. You buy them through the iTunes Store, and you play them with the music player with a dedicated audiobooks functionality. In the near future, you'll be able to buy all of your i you buy all your audiobooks right in the iBooks app, sort of like a unified bookstore. There is going to be improvements to Apple Pay as well. Um, you'll be able to do some interesting things. I'm not going to really get into it into in terms of uh, you know all the new features, but it will launch in the United Kingdom next month. Uh, Apple Pay will be able to pay for tubes, buses, and trains. Users can also add their credit and debit cards into Wallet, formerly known as Passbook. There's going to be a lot of tweaks to the Apple Watch iOS that's going to hopefully spur further adoption in terms of developers. There's not a lot of great apps for Apple iWatch. The screen's simply really too small. Um, but this is something that they're going to do. Uh, they're also augmenting the watch kit in order to scan, you know, to work with known Wi-Fi networks rather than to always be connected to your phone. Now, the big thing, uh, Apple Music, it's a streaming service powered by iTunes. Users can search their content on My Music or find a song recommendation, and, and this is for UTAB. It'll also allow the song that's coming up next to prepare your eardrums. Uh, Apple Music was like a product of their Beats purchase that they, I think they bought for about $3.2 billion. And part of the, uh, the Beats acquisition was to really revise the entire Apple radio system. Uh, I have an iP you know, an Apple TV, and I could listen to Apple Radio on my TV. If you live in the U.S., there's a number of services as well that Apple has that you can listen to streaming music. But this is, um, Apple Music seeks to sort of do something radically different. Um, Siri will work with Apple Music. You can say, play me the top songs from 1992, or play the theme song from Friends, and it'll actually play it. Um... So, more with Apple Music, not only will it give you the right song at the right moment, but it'll give you a new radio station called Beats One. Beats One is a 24-7 global news station hosted by former BBC Radio One DJ Zane Lowe. The service hopes to not only play great music to help users discover new content, but artists can also upload their own work to Apple Music Connect to help increase their exposure, regardless of whether they're signed to a major, major music label or not. So, prospectively, cool mixtapes. Um, you know, DJ demos, finding that up-and-coming new hip-hop artist. It's being able to upload your own stuff is actually very compelling. Apple Music will launch on June the 30th for $9.99 a month. A family plan will also be available for $14.99 a month for up to six members. Android support is coming this fall. So Apple Music will not only... Uh, be just on Apple, but they're hopefully trying to make an Android app of it as well. So streaming music, discovery, 24-7 radio station, lots of cool stuff for iOS 9 and for the new Mac OS. So 
plenty of cool things uh, that Apple's cooking up. Um, no further date on when iOS 9 will officially drop, you know, subject to bug testing and all that type of stuff. Let's talk about a book. Um, as you guys know, I, I read a lot, and I my reading's all over the place. Lately, I've been really enamored with like nonfiction, but sometimes a fiction book will captivate me. Uh, California by Eden Lupecki was one of them. I really, really dug that book, but I tend to, you know, buy fiction but not necessarily read it. I've been sitting on the first Game of Thrones books for about three years and still haven't read it. Uh, I've read, you know, watched the series. I actually just discovered this series. I mean, okay, so I watched a few episodes of Game of Thrones here and there, uh, but when you just, like, watch episode six of season one and then a week later watch, like, you know, season, the, the you know, the first uh, inaugural episode of season two, you, you're totally disjointed. You really got to watch them all to understand what's going on. So I downloaded the HBO Now app for my Apple TV and watched season one two three four five in a week i just watched like every episode completely devoured it so i'm gonna kind of give the game of thrones novel a second chance just because i really dug uh the television show but in terms of my book review it's called the modern mercenary uh by sean mcfate and mcfate actually you know works in this industry um he has worked on the atlantic council um, he's worked on a lot of kind of cool, um, you know, organizations. He's co-chairs a lot of neat things. He knows what he's talking about. So, I guess in the news lately, there's been, uh, I guess ever since the Iraq War, Blackwater has sort of become the name that everyone knows sort of them by. Now, they've changed their name a bunch of different times, but... Uh, the modern mercenary looks at the historical role of mercenaries played during the feudal era and how they directly contributed to the formation of national national armies. Mercenaries fell out of favor a few hundred years ago, but they're now making a dramatic comeback as the U.S. projects its power into places like Afghanistan, Iraq, and Somalia. Since the start of combat operations in Afghanistan and Iraq, the U.S. and other nations have begun to use private military companies to supplement or augment their forces. The shift in acceptance, argues McFate, marks the radical change to how modern wars are fought and foretell a shift in the balance of power in the world. The modern mercenary, he examines the long history of soldiers for hire and how their presence on the battlefield are an indication of a new political trend, neo-medievalism, in which power traditionally reserved exclusively for a central government is spread out among numerous other non-state players. So, I guess what I liked about this book is I, I read the Blackwater book and it mainly just talks about Blackwater. This book kind of juxtaposes the feudal era in which, you know, um, Sweden, I didn't know, was really well known for its mercenaries. Uh, Sweden used to be a much larger power than it is now, but their mercenary army had a terrible defeat and the country was never the same. Also, when the, the, I guess like in the 1300s or so, there was two popes at the same time. And both of these popes tried to say, you know, I'm the only pope there. And they hired a bunch of mercenary armies to really kind of 
get their cause to the populace by force and it actually worked i guess uh you know the modern mercenary today is not just like a gun for hire but they're actually contracted to train national armies and to lay down a framework of supply lines and bases uh in iraq they you know they they guard oil fields they protect dignitaries uh in somalia they actually patrol uh, around the seas trying to discourage pirate attacks because the navies cannot do it. Lloyd's of London, which is likely the one of the biggest insurance companies in the world based on the UK, they actually give discounts to shipping companies that use uh, private military forces on their ships to discourage piracy. So they actually could pay the mercenaries based on the savings that they get from Lloyd's of London. I think what I found most particularly interesting about this book is there's no oversight in modern mercenary companies. They are considered civilian contractors and therefore have way more freedom than conventional armies to have on the battlefield. They can use whatever weapons that they want. They could basically do what they want as long as they don't really fall into the Nisor Square Massacre that happened in Iraq in 2007. Blackwater employees... um, shot Iraqi civilians, killing 17, injuring 20, gained national media headlines, and was subject to numerous probes in the U.S. Uh, There's been ongoing stuff happening. Somebody wrote into our review saying that um, a lot of the contractors went into prison terms and they're appealing their sentences right now. There's been a lot of money uh, in private military forces the industry has grown from a multi-million to a multi-billion dollar affair. From 1999 to 2008, the U.S. State Department of Defense uh, for both security and non-security functions increased from $165 billion to $414 billion. In 2010, they earmarked $366 billion to contracts, an amount seven times the U.K.'s entire defense budget. So, I guess... The one, you know, if there's one key takeaway is that the U.S. is downsizing their army, you know, um, less ships, less troops. There's been a crazy amount of army fatigue for people doing multiple tours in Afghanistan and Iraq and other, you know, war zones, Darfur, um, Somalia, and then all of like the normal tours of duty, you know, in Japan and, you know, worldwide. So, what they do is there's in Iraq right now on there's like a three to one ratio on private military forces versus like like the army by the U.S. in Afghanistan it's like the same way I think it's like four to one and interestingly enough I mean I, I kind of learned a lot like for instance when these American corporations which is basically what they are. When they get like a contract to say, tr- you know, to formulate a small army to train them, that they actually send about 10% of like the US people there, and 90% is made up by like local forces. So in Afghanistan, it's like former Taliban, former police officers, former Afghan army officials. Um, and so 
they really make it a point to hire locally because it's way more effective to have the Americans running like the legal aspects, the lawyers, the corporate aspects, getting contracts, and then just sending over a few overseers from the U.S. to really kind of oversee the entire operation and then hire everyone locally. But because they tend to operate in the same theaters, they have just like these crazy network of contacts. So, you know, a company like DinCorp, they will operate exclusively in these types of things where like they'll protect mines in Africa and that's like a super strong segment of their business or they'll keep on taking contracts in Iraq and it's because they've been operating there for like a decade I mean they just have no shortage of people that are willing to get hired to get paid five times the rate of a U.S. soldier's making so the average like uh you know, mercenary, as it were, gets paid like 150 grand a year, where the average U.S. soldier will get paid like 35 grand a year. So there's a large gulf, and this is why a lot of people are wanting to get hired by these companies, and why they tend to hire former soldiers and things like that, because it's people who know their jobs, they don't need to be really trained that much, and they are expendable. So this was a great book. I mean, it's a little bit like it's an academic type book it's not an easy read but i i read in like three days and it's not too often that i'll just like ravenously consume a book in just a period of days so i really recommend it it's a book not easily found um i live in vancouver and i went to my flagship chapters bookstore they had two books in in available this book was only out for a month so i guess not a lot of people are reading this book, but I, I really liked it. If you want to know more about mercenaries and how they've really influenced our culture uh, from the extreme, you know, like the feudal era, the medieval era, all the way to today, uh, it's a great read. Uh, finally, I want to end this show off as new Star Wars novels are seeking to retell the original trilogy. When Disney made the decision to no longer consider the Star Wars Expanded Universe canon, the conclusion was that Disney wanted to sell more books. They have released a ton of new content so far and are in the midst of retelling the entire original trilogy, which is at episode 4, 5, and 6. Disney and Lucasfilm have announced a new set of books aimed at young readers in the ages 8 to 12 age group that will take the stories of A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi and retell them not as we've seen them retold countless times through films and other adoptions, but instead focusing to tell the stories from the inner perspectives from the cast of characters. Um, so there'll be a thing like The Princess and the Scoundrel and the Farm Boy... So you want to be a Jedi, beware of the power of the dark side, which will take like the perspective of like uh, Luke and Vader. So how do you feel about this? I mean, retelling the original trilogy from the perspective of the main characters, I think I would like much rather read a book from the perspective of like Jar Jar Binks or R2-D2 uh, instead of the main characters. I would like to read the books from like minor characters uh such as like boba fett such as jabba the hut you know when you saw return of the jedi and almost like the first 30 minutes in the movies based in jabba's palace i would love to read that book told from the perspective of like jabba 
or from some of the people in his like his cronies and bounty hunters and things like that. Disney, though, has been on a rampage trying to fill a massive void, which occurred when they nixed the Expanded Universe. In the last few weeks, they have announced Journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens, a Princess Leia adventure called Moving Target, uh, a Luke Skywalker novel called The Weapon of a Jedi, uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars Character Encyclopedia, a Han Solo story called Smuggler's Run, uh, Lost Stars... (laughs) There's Evernight. There's like a ton of books coming out. Uh, my fear is that this is going to be the same thing as the Expanded Universe. Where like in the first few years the Expanded Universe came out. You had like Hair to an Empire and like the Thorn Trilogy. I mean books that even stand up today as being some of the best Star Wars books ever written. Uh, and then they kind of fell off a cliff as there was like no editorial oversight. People just wrote what they wanted. And all of a sudden you had like three or four hundred books that were like, you know, Luke Skywalker's Jedi sons and everything like that, and their sons, and just craziness abounds. So it looks like there's no stopping Disney from monetizing, retelling, re-releasing everything to do with Star Wars for a new generation. They really want to make the upcoming movie that's coming out um, this winter uh, probably the biggest movie ever. And it very well could be. J.J. Abrams is doing a friggin' amazing job. I mean, if you've seen any of the two Star Wars teaser trailers that have come out, I mean, when I saw the latest one that came out, it, it brought a tear to my eye. And I, I guess I watched the original trilogy when I was like five or six, you know, when it first came out. And, um... I love those movies. I mean, I, I've probably seen each one a handful of times. Um, episode 1, 2, and 3, I thought was a total travesty of justice. I mean, they had their moments, and I think they were just... There was terrible acting between Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman. Uh, they were just like cardboard actors. Their their romance, which was a big focus of the movies, were entirely non-believable other than that, I mean, they they were okay, but I think I've seen each one of the movies like twice, maybe three times, and I, I have no intention of ever watching them again, even though I have them on Blu-ray. But the new movie, I mean, it looks like it's really kind of going back to the original trilogy, and I think that that's what's more captivating to me. But Disney is really kind of hoping to drum up a lot of publicity for these new movies by retelling the original trilogy by releasing books that talk about the new movie and some of the characters, but without really giving any spoilers. Uh, But they really kind of want to fill the void between the original Star Wars going into Empire Strikes Back and then filling the void between Empire Strikes Back to Return of the Jedi and then what happens next. So it's the expanding universe all over again. So what do you guys think of uh, of all these books coming out? Do you think that retelling the original trilogy is the best call? I'd like to hear from you. Drop a comment on our website at goodreader.com, and you could just simply drop a comment below the radio show if you're listening to this on iTunes, TuneIn, Radio, or a number of other services. You can simply just go to our website, goodreader.com, and click on media and then the podcast link. So check it out for goodreader.com. My name is Michael, and everybody take care.